When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Sleepover Cinema, where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of those who've been chatting online with babes all day. I'm Hannah Leach. And I'm Audrey Leach. We are the sister filmmaking duo, also known as Two Pink Productions, and we haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them. We're going to explore the good, the bad, and the nonsensical of the movies that first inspired our love for film in an attempt to answer the question, Are these movies actually good? And at the end of the day, do we really care if they are? Today we are talking about 2004's Napoleon Dynamite. Girls only want boyfriends who have great skills. You know, like nunchuck skills, bow hunting skills, computer hacking skills. Is Trisha here? Is that my driveway? That's my ride. And today is a big, big day for us here on Sleepover Cinema because we pulled it off. We have the highly esteemed, <laughs> internationally known, side ponytail rocking Tina Majorino, a.k.a. Deb, from Napoleon Dynamite on the show today. Our conversation with her really went above and beyond like the standard podcast interview. So just buckle up and get ready for that. It was a highlight of the sleepover cinema experience so far, for sure. So second half of this episode's about to go hard, so just get ready. Yes, truly, there was life advice, there was career advice, there was celebrity stories from the past, from the A-listers. Also, before we get into the episode, I wanted to just bring up the fact that we started a Discord server very recently. And there is a link to join it in our link tree. And so we absolutely welcome you to our Discord server. And if you don't know what that is, it's kind of like fun slack. That's yes. how I would describe it. So it's kind of like we we have all these different threads for different topics, such as, Hannah, what are some of the ones you came up with? I love your description of Discord. It's really funny and true. <laughs> um, it was made by gamers, so that's why it exists. But the threads are like introductions, life advice and personal subjects, like gay shit, music recommendations. Uh, behind the uh, scenes. Behind the scenes of the show, current events. There's really a thread for any and everything. Um, And the link to join the server will be in our link tree, but it'll also be in the episode description below in the podcast app of your choice. So you can get to it that way too. But it's really cute and fun already. So if you have a Discord, you should join. And if you don't have a Discord, this may be um, a good opportunity to orient yourself with this because it's a good platform. This hot take is one that's just on my spirit. And I think that I know what you'll say, Audrey. Okay. But in that like 
early 2000s toy kind of way. Mm-hmm. Are you a pink girl or a purple girl? Purple. <laughs> I know. Probably. <laughs> but, well, go like, ahead. That type of purple that's almost veering into pink territory or light purple. Obviously, I'm a pink girl. But I feel like there's something in my mind that like we had two of the same item, but yours was purple and mine was pink, but I can't place what it was. I think it might have been a coat. I think we had the same coat, but in different colors. Yeah, it was Land's End. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are you ready to get into these facts before we speak to Miss Majorino? Yes. Okay, so we tried to keep, and by we, I mean, I tried to keep this relatively minimalistic just because we know what lies ahead of us. But um, Napoleon Dynamite was released on June 11th, 2004. It was rated PG. It was directed by Jared Hess and written by Jared and Jerusha Hess. Um, And Jared Hess was the director, like he directed it independently, but it was co-written by him and his wife. But Jared is known for directing, obviously, Napoleon Dynamite, but also Nacho Libre, which Audrey and I both love because Jack Black and also the direction is really good like it's a great mm-hmm. it's a great movie we'll probably talk about it at some point but I love Nacho Libre and also he directed Gentleman Broncos he also directed videos for the killers and the postal service like right after Napoleon and he also directed a limited series called Murder Among the Mormons which I found interesting because he is Mormon himself so I watched probably, that oh was it how was it <laughs> Yeah, I'm just a sucker for all docu-series about cults or things similar to cults. So, yeah, I I was, I didn't realize he directed it, though, but that's great. And as for Jerusha Hess, she shares, like, the writing credits on those big three movies, Napoleon Dynamite, Nacho Libre, and Gentleman Broncos, with Jared. She also wrote a bunch of the Napoleon Dynamite TV show, which it looks like Jared didn't, which I found really interesting. And she has two projects in pre-production right now, but she also wrote and directed Austin Land. I didn't list any of the producers, not because of any disrespect, but just because a lot of them were like Jared's friends and have like seven credits. And there, it's a lot of men. It's just a yeah. lot of guys. So I was like, yeah. Eh, moving if you've on. ever, you know, there's like a million positive things to say about this film and like all in all, like, I ain't complaining, but when you do, <laughs> and it has a lot to do with the fact they're filming in Preston, Idaho. Yeah. But when you look at the behind the scenes footage, it's like this huge group of white dudes <laughs> that all look yeah. the same. Yeah. And it's just, it is funny. What's the synopsis of this movie? The synopsis is, in small town Preston, Idaho, awkward teen Napoleon Dynamite has trouble fitting in. After his grandmother is injured in an accident, his life is made even worse when his strangely nostalgic Uncle Rico shows up to keep an eye on him. With no safe haven at home or at school, Napoleon befriends the new kid, Pedro, a morose Hispanic boy who speaks little English. Together, the two launch a campaign to run for class president. They don't even mention Deb in that synopsis. Well, they don't mention Kip either. That's true. We've got three taglines. The first one is, he's out to prove he's got nothing to prove. The second one is, it's going to be a dynamite summer. And the third one is, same planet, different flipping world. These all feel roughly 
you know, written by uh, the distributor, you know, the marketers here, rather than from the mind of Jared. I feel like they're not awful, but they're also not something, that's not what he, I don't think that's what he would write. But he also, like, wouldn't be... Like, a snappy line that would market Napoleon Dynamite that is also authentic is, like, kind of impossible. It should have been, I caught you a delicious bass yeah, this just summer. Yeah, something, something <laughs> weird like that. Yeah. But, you know, I don't think the marketing in that sense is what made it or broke it. So... It's fine. So getting into this cast, we have, first of all, John Heater as Napoleon Dynamite. And this was definitely his, like, breakthrough moment, I think. It was. But he then moved on to be in Blaze of Glory, The Benchwarmers, Just Like Heaven, Pickle and Peanut, and a bunch of the Napoleon TV series, plus more. Next up, we have Efren Ramirez as Pedro. Some of his credits include Mad Families, Casa Demi Madre, I'm Too White, Crank High Voltage, Napoleon, obviously, the TV show, um, Eastbound and Down, and he was also in two episodes of Even Stevens, which I thought was funny. Next up, we have John Grease as Uncle Rico, and to us, most recently, he was Jennifer Coolidge's love interest in White Lotus, like the really like life's short dying guy. He's great. I love him. But he also was in Get Shorty, Dreamcore LLC, this TV show called Martin where he was Martin and it ran for a long time. But also he had like eight bazillion credits. So he's been working forever. Next up, we have Aaron Rule as Kip. He is like basically not an actor and seemingly just a friend of Jared, which I thought was funny. Um, In the behind the scenes, and stuff. Jared was basically like, my friend Aaron used to always imitate his brother in this specific way. And that is who Kip is. Kip is the imitation of Aaron's brother. But Aaron did direct a 12 episode series called Father Support Group. And he seems to be doing other things with his life, but good for him because he lives on in our hearts and minds. And then next up, we have Diedrich Bader as Rex, <laughs> Rex of Rex Quando. He has so many credits. It was like overwhelming to even look at. But relevant to us, he was in Miss Congeniality 2, Office Space, Better Things, American Housewife, Big Hero 6, the series, Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure, Harley Quinn, the series, Bojack Horseman, Milo Murphy's Law. Too much to list. Like, he has an extremely impressive uh, IMDb page, so good for him. We have Chandrella Avery in the role of LaFonda. Um, she has a ton of credits too, but she's best known for Napoleon, obviously, Domino, The Secret Life of Bees, and Deja Vu. But also, she was in a lot of episodes of One on One and um, Gillian and Georgia. And she also seems to be really nice on social media. I like lurked on her shit and she just seems like a gem. So like in her Instagram bio, it like lists all the things she does. And then it's like, and yes, I am LaVonda, <laughs> which made me smile. Um, so shout out to Chandrella. We have Sandy Martin as grandma. And apparently Sandy Martin was kind of like, like when they casted her, they were like, she's too qualified for this or like she's too esteemed. But she was down despite the fact that she had like four lines. She's the real deal. Her theater credits are like off the charts. Like I don't think she's a musical theater actress, but like basically every named off-Broadway theater in New York she's had a role at. Very relevant to us, we have Haley Duff as Summer Wheatley, best known for Material Girls, co-starring alongside Hilary Duff. 
Please revisit our episode on cowbells versus material girls if you haven't seen it yet or heard it yet. It's a classic of sleepover cinema, I believe. And then she also is well known from Seventh Heaven and Adam's Family Reunion. And then... Of course, we have our beloved Tina Majorino as Deb. Of course, she's very well known for playing Deb, but she also was Cindy, quotes, Mac McKenzie in Veronica Mars. Uh, She was Enola in Waterworld when she was a baby, like really, really little. And also when she was really little, she was Molly in Karina Karina alongside Whoopi Goldberg, which we'll come back to her relationship with Whoopi Goldberg. She also uh, was Dr. Heather Brooks in Grey's Anatomy. She also had a recurring role in True Blood and was on the TV show Big Love. So she's had a lot of gigs in her life and also is really nice and cute and funny, as you will hear in the second half of the episode. All right. So yeah, Napoleon Dynamite is an interesting situation (laughs) budget wise and a great, a great outcome. The estimated budget is around $400,000, which is extremely cheap. Um, Very low. As you guys have heard on every other episode, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars. Yes. Um, Opening weekend, it made $116,666. Good numbers, honestly, a good mm-hmm. uh, for a quirky movie like this. Like it's only going uphill. And then yeah. worldwide gross is forty six million one hundred thirty eight thousand eight hundred eighty seven. <laughs> so that's insane. the profit margin. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a dream come true. Okay, so now getting into the critical slash audience opinions. The critic score and the audience score were actually very similar for this. The critic score was 72% and the critic consensus was a charming, quirky, and often funny comedy. Okay, so I just picked a couple little critic moments here. Here's the first one. I began to appreciate the neat reversals of expectations, slow pace, and serene non sequiturs of the plot. The film's smart approach toward teen alienation, ludicrous ambition, and impossible dreams. The next one. The soundtrack is casual, catchy, and sensationally fitting, complementing the alternating weirdness and sweetness of the incredibly singular personas on screen. Next one, geek extraordinaire Napoleon thinks he's dynamite, wearing his brown velour suit and other 1970s fashion faux pas like they were bestowed upon him to be cooler than you in. You will be inspired to likewise walk to the beat of your own drum. There's something distinctly sour tasting in how long the film lingers on its characters doubling down on their awkwardness. Sour? That's like the whole point. They just don't like the movie, which like, that's okay. You can have no, your opinion. No, it's actually not. It's actually not. <laughs> And you're done. You're done. I'm sorry, guys. Like, this is one of those movies where it has always been a tool for me to figure out if I can be, how close of friends with someone I can be. Really? Yeah. Like, if somebody is like, oh, I hate Napoleon Dynamite. It's like, okay, we can be, like, I, we can be acquaintances. (laughs) But, like, are we going to be closer than that? It's like, yes, no. Probably not. (laughs) Yeah, that's valid. Yeah. Okay, Audrey, what's this audience saying? So the audience score is 74%. 
2% higher than the critic score. I'm kind of surprised at this, honestly. I'm surprised. I kind of would think that the critic score would be higher than the audience score, but like a lot higher. Yeah. So I, I pulled some really polarized opinions. So um, have a good time reading these. And also the third one, please read all the typos. So the first one is a five-star review from some random audience member. And they said, for a film with such little plot, each scene contributes to the story as a whole. The comedy is subtle yet plentiful without being over the top. Perfect performances all around from the cast. A true classic. Yes, that's the correct opinion to have. Yes. (laughs) Second one, 0.5 stars. One hour and 22 minutes has never felt like 12 hours more than watching this movie. I was bored to no end, but I was unable to look away. Kind of the same effect as when you see some horrible car accident and you know someone died there, but you can't bring yourself to look away. Another point five review. This is the worst movie off all time. It bored like Board plank, (laughs) board wooden (laughs) plank. It bored me to death and it made no sense. Do not watch it. It is a waste of time. (laughs) (laughs) The typos just really got me with that one. And then finally, another five-star review. Completely original and wonderfully nostalgic. One of the greatest comedies ever made. Yes. Yes. Uh. Okay, so I did a little dip into Twitter just as I've been doing lately. And I found a lot of really, really funny tweets. But I tried to just pick the best ones I could find. First one. I remember watching Napoleon Dynamite as a kid and feeling my life change direction. Next one. Napoleon Dynamite is absolutely ludicrous WTF crying emoji. Imagine riding your bike and getting an entire stake thrown at you. I'm screaming so hard, (laughs) RN. Next one. Someone tell me why I thought I saw Napoleon Dynamite at the club. And then last but not least, Napoleon Dynamite is one of the few really good white people quote unquote humor movies. It's really just too funny. And uh, that is true. I tweeted... (laughs) Like a year ago, um, I tweeted like something along the lines of like, is Napoleon Dynamite like a white people thing only or like white family thing only? And this girl I went to high school with who's black responded and was like, absolutely not. My whole family loves this movie and like we all enjoy it as like a group. But she said something really funny about it. But I hadn't talked to her in a really long time. So I thought it was funny that she like emerged from the depths of Twitter to like tell me that it's a thing. So shout out to her. Okay, so what do we remember about this movie? When did we first watch it? Audrey, what do you got? Well, this movie is like also cherished in our family as it is in many families, you know, because it is completely age friendly and appropriate, but everybody Mm -hmm. thinks it's funny. Like no matter (laughs) where your maturity level is, you're going to get something from it, I feel like. And, um... So we watched it with our parents. I've no I actually don't know when we watched it the first time, but we did have mm-hmm. it on DVD. And um we watched it with our cousins and their parents a lot. And it got so serious to the point where <laughs> our uncle Paul bought us vote for Pedro shirts. Like um, in bulk though. He got yes. like a whole box. And they were yeah. also like black market vote for Pedro shirts because the font was wrong. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were 
in the spirit, I feel. <laughs> They're definitely in the spirit. He probably got it through some Uncle Paul-esque connect, and that was just the option. Yeah, someone on eBay. <laughs> I agree with everything you just said, and then there's one other thing I remember so clearly, which was I have really similar hair texture to Tina, and so when I have my Vote for Pedro shirt, I would also give myself an extreme side ponytail and would, like, wear it to school in, like, fifth grade, like, no questions asked. And I remember, like, the school cop like approached me and was like, I love Napoleon Dynamite. And I it like, it like forged this weird friendship between me and the school cop at Silver Lake Elementary School. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did have it in the minivan and we did watch the bonus features a lot. And there are some bonus features on this DVD that are genuinely educational and yeah. genuinely probably planted something in my mind about being a filmmaker and like what that could be like there's yeah. this like isn't the is the documentary thing on there it is right mm-hmm. yeah there's this like 43 minute non-linear documentary <laughs> about Jared Hess's experience at Sundance and like the week's leading up to it and also like sometime after and yeah it is great. It's on YouTube as well. It's called World Premiere, like a nonlinear look at Jared Hess's directing yeah. or something like that. But um, yeah, it's it's what introduced Sundance to me or like even a film festival. And I'm really glad I saw it as a kid. Yeah, it's really good. Okay, people, we're just one break away from you hearing our interview with the lovely Tina Majorino. So um, Napoleon is available on Amazon Prime if you want to give it a nice little rewatch before you uh, listen to the rest of the episode. Um, but otherwise, get ready for one of our greatest accomplishments so far, our interview with Tina Majorino. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, and tragedies. Now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories. From the makers of Death of a Rockstar and Death of a Sports Star, this is Death Ready. of a Film Star. And Starring Heath Ledger, Marilyn Monroe, Chadwick Boseman, Robin Williams, Carrie Fisher, and Bruce Lee. Search for Death of a Film Star in your podcast app. You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs. Okay, everyone, welcome back. Um, drum roll in the background. We are <laughs> um, we are so excited for you to listen to this interview that we did with Tina Majorino, the queen of our lives. Um, and here it is. So, Tina, you're here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know if that was a weird introduction. Just a nice it so wasn't. Tina. It wasn't. I just, I, I'm just laughing because, of course, that's when I chose to take a sip of my coffee. Sorry. <laughs> my bad, honestly. Love the mug, by the way. Oh, thank you. It's one of my, my faves. It's the Grinch. So Napoleon was a big deal for you in a lot of ways, I'm sure, but it also was the first movie you had done after taking a pretty long break from acting, right? So I was just curious. When you decided to start acting again, was it uh, like chicken or the egg? Like, did Napoleon come first or did (laughs) you wanting to act again come first? I wanted to act first. So a little backstory, like my first film was When a Man Loves a Woman. Very serious movie. Mm. Very, very serious. And then Karina Karina was a very sweet movie. Very serious. I just kept uh, being picked to do what the audience would see as like dramatic roles, like darker, um, darker roles. And so nobody would let me audition for comedies as a child. Nobody. It was like, she's not funny. I don't see it, whatever. And I'm like... No, I'm an actor, and so (laughs) (laughs) I can act. That's really what you're saying, which is a lovely compliment, but also, like, I'm not these characters in real life. Mm -hmm. Like, I can be, I can do comedy, I can be funny, and I just never got the the chance, really, to do it. So when the script, when Napoleon came around, I was like, dude, this is perfect. I've just (laughs) gone on sabbatical. Mm -hmm. Nobody even knows what I look like. (laughs) You know, maybe people have forgotten. Maybe they've forgotten, like, let's let's really try to do a character, like, completely outside of myself. I want to be funny. I want to try it. And my agent sent me the script, and she's like, this is super stupid, but read it anyway. (laughs) And I was like, okay. And I read it, and I loved every page of that script (laughs) and when I tell you nothing in that movie is ad-libbed it's all Mm -hmm. on the page Jared and Jerusha are geniuses Mm -hmm. they're amazing it was probably one of the most perfect scripts if not (laughs) the most perfect script I've ever read in the 30 plus years that I've been doing this at this point Mm -hmm. it was perfect and I read the scene where um Napoleon goes up to Don and says hey can I see one of those and then he gives him the pin and he chucks it down the hallway. And I was like, that's the funniest shit ever. And like definitely in alignment with my brother and my sense of humor. And almost our dynamic, just like, you know, trolling each other and giving each other shit, you know? Yeah. Right. And I was like, I gotta, I have to audition for this. And I went to audition for it and... It was, it was in the tiniest room next to where they animate the Simpsons. So you're like hearing all of the Simpsons voice coming through the wall. It was literally like a closet (laughs) and it was such a good time auditioning with Jared. And at that time, my mom was still driving me Mm -hmm. to um, auditions and stuff. And I got in the car and she's like, how was it? And I was like, I definitely didn't get it, but that was so much fun. It was so cool. And then they told me that I got it. And my agent was like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, are you really, you really want to do this? And I was like, hell yeah, dude. I'm, I, my mom and I are packing up the Tahoe. We're road tripping <laughs> to Idaho. It's happening. Like, I want to do this. This guy thinks I'm funny. Mm-hmm. Like somehow he thinks that I'm funny. And 
<laughs> then when it blew up, my agent was like, don't ever listen to me again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that script was brilliant and so funny to me. And like, I've seen my audition tape since then. I was going to say, didn't, I was going to ask, did you know yeah. it's on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I didn't have her de- developed yet, which is why auditioning sucks. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. Like, I know that, you know, you're not supposed to say that, but. <laughs> well, you have so little context. They want to see what you, what you can do with what they give you, which I totally understand. And that's fine. But it's like, right. I get very nervous. And nowadays it's like, you get an audition and it's like, see you tomorrow. So you have no, you have very little to go off of, but yeah, I was really, really excited playing Deb and it was such a challenge for me and it was so fun. And then, you know, to this day, people saying like, oh, that was hilarious. Like, I love, I love that. Cause I never got to even step into that arena ever. So like, I am, I'm endlessly grateful to Jared for saying like, no, you can definitely be funny. You could do it. <laughs> when you originally read the full script, could you tell what the kind of like what the visual style or like the tone of it would translate to? Or did you not really fully understand that until you were on set and like saw what the film was going to look like? I'm curious if those elements were included like in, in the script. If I if I remember like in the script, certain things were definitely described. But I mean, I would love to sit here and say like, yeah, I totally thought in my mind, but like, I, yeah. I don't think that I had the stillness of it right. in my mind. Mm-hmm. I think I saw Deb as being very still, which is why she is, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, but as far as the um, photography of it, it was genius. It wasn't until we were there, I would say that I fully understood the entirety of the vibe. It's wild now because there were zero movies like that when it came out. None. And in my opinion, I mean, it's very difficult, especially now to be original. Like, and you know, there's always the argument, is anything original? And it's like, okay, I'm not going to get into semantics, but (laughs) yes. Yeah. The fact that that movie has inspired, like, I watch movies now, and I'm like, that's Napoleon. Like, mm-hmm. that's, Jared and Jerusha started this whole, it's like a whole genre of film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I totally agree. Yeah, it's really interesting. And not like I'm, I'm not shitting on the filmmakers make- who were biters on that, but I'm sure it was inspiration. But like, you know, it was very influential. And I never really got to ask Jared about, that if that was just his style or the fact that we were shooting a full length feature film in 28 days. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know what I mean? 22 days, something like that Mm -hmm. for, you know, $325,000 or something absurd. You know what I'm saying is like, that's cheap. Like you tell (laughs) extremely, it's insane. And like, I've also, this is Napoleon is definitely, I love that you guys picked these two movies because <laughs> both of these experiences were two of the best film experiences that I've had in specific genres. Like Napoleon, you would think that like we'd be running around and it would be so disorganized and like all of these things. We worked eight hour days before wow. that was ever a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm used to being on a set for 18 hours mm-hmm. or, yeah. you know, 
when you're a child, it's a little bit different because they're not, they can't work you. But once you're an adult, they're like, it's a fucking free for all. You're going to be here until we send you home. (laughs) But I mean, we, we would shoot like eight to 10 pages a day on Napoleon and everybody would go to dinner together after. That's so healthy. (laughs) Same though. Like think about that is like, everybody loved each other. Everybody was there to make a fun film. Like, I don't think, I mean, I can't speak for everyone, but I didn't, I definitely didn't think I didn't think anybody was going to see it. I mean, it wasn't even that for me. I didn't think I'm not one of those people that um, thinks about the outcome too much. Mm-hmm. Right. I like to just experience the process and, you know, you're like, fucking hope for the best. Mm-hmm. But there was no expectation of what happened. So the experience itself was just like all of these. It was a small group of people just the most passionate about telling this story and Mm -hmm. making this film. And it's like, can you ask for anything better than that? And it's like, Jared is probably one of the most deliberate directors I've ever worked with. And it was like, what, his second film? Mm -hmm. He'd made the Mm -hmm. short film, Peluca, and then Napoleon. And it's like, bro, I've worked with (laughs) veterans, veteran directors that, that are not as concise and particular as he was and he was a kid mm-hmm. he wasn't that much older than I was when we were doing I think he was like 21 or 22 when we did that movie wow and I was 16 or 17 <laughs> yeah I think he was like 22 or 3 when yeah. filming because young yeah it's insane to think about I, I was gonna ask you if he was giving you exact line readings Sometimes as he did with other actors because there's a ton yeah. of behind the scenes and like really, really good director content for Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. on the DVD that we were obsessed with. Like Hannah yeah. and I were obsessed with it. It had a holographic the- DVD sleeve on it. Like it was a Love whole. That. Yeah. Yeah, it was a whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they talk, a lot of the actors like talked about how he would just give them line readings. And a lot of times that sort of thing is frowned upon. You know, it can be frowned upon. But when it comes from him, who has like such a distinct vision and voice for it, um, Mm -hmm. it like appears as though that was not a bad thing. That is true. That if you're working with a director and they try to give you a line reading normally, it's disrespectful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's really weird. (laughs) Um, Because... You know, in my, in my personal opinion, it's like, it feels like they don't trust you. Right. And then you start to feel like, okay, you can give me a note, but like you hired me because I know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. if you don't think that I know what I'm doing, then why the fuck am I here? <laughs> um, but like, yes, normally it is very frowned upon for directors to do that because they're not actors. And also because they're not always right about whatever, whatever the case is with Jared. Jared is the most giving director. He's very much so an actor's director. And like you said, because his vision was so specific, like I'm sure Jared would answer your previous question. Like, yes, I saw it frame by frame the way that we shot it, you know, like Mm -hmm. he had the vision, Yes, but he could do an impression of every (laughs) character in his script. And like, That to me was, I don't know how to describe it. We all just had a feeling of being so committed to making his vision Mm -hmm. come to light that if I was saying something, it wasn't like 
he didn't approach it like you're sucking right now. Yeah. And here's how you fix it. It would be a very nuanced shift and it had to do with tone, not Mm -hmm. with acting. And it's like the mark of an amazing comedic writer as well, where it's like, if you put the emphasis here versus here, try that and see how it sounds. And then you do it and you're like, that's fucking hilarious. (laughs) Like (laughs) I get what you're trying to say. So his approach to it was, had nothing to do with mistrust or like dictating any of that. It's because he, every word in that script was written with purpose and intention. Precision. Mm -hmm. Precision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so like, I loved it because sometimes like I would say something a certain way because I thought that was the joke. Mm -hmm. And then he would come up and he'd say, maybe just try it like this, (laughs) you know, or do something like that. And I'd be like, oh my God, that's what you meant. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's just how he communicated. And it's also super direct Mm is like, don't tell me um, your motivation is this emotion yeah. <laughs> because like my interpretation of that emotion might be completely different than his. So mm-hmm. I, myself and all the other actors were like, hell yeah, do an impression. Mm-hmm. What, where, where are we, how are we painting this? Yeah. He's just amazing. I would work together with him and again, in a heartbeat, he was the fucking raddest <laughs> director. So cool. I'm assuming Because the budget wasn't huge, you might not have had a lot of or any rehearsal time. I'm wondering if that existed for this movie. I don't think we did at all, actually. That's actually crazy. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that we had any any sort of rehearsals. Like, we hung out with each other because we were all staying in the same little motel, Mm -hmm. which was so fun. Um, Yeah, I think we all sort of separately did our character work, I guess. And I know that I ran things by Jared before we started shooting, but super quick. It was like, I got the job. I think two weeks later, maybe three weeks later, I was driving out to Idaho and then, and then we just shot it. So I don't really remember that. I remember doing like working on Deb a lot before I left big time where I was like, I've got to find the voice because it's not my voice. It's got to be Deb's voice. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to swing big on that one. So Mm -hmm. I know I ran it by Jared. And then when we got there, the thing that we did do that I remember is like hair and makeup and all that kind of stuff. They wanted to cut my hair into like a page boy. Do you know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. Like (laughs) micro bangs. and Of course they wanted you to have a page boy. Of course. And because it was, because Jerusha had found in the thrift shop, which is where she, so she designed the costume. Mm -hmm. So she got everybody's costumes at the thrift thrift store. And she found like this budget (laughs) knockoff Nancy Drew detective book. And on the cover was like the knockoff Nancy Drew with that haircut. I think I told them that I was doing something right after it. Um, And I don't remember if I actually was or if I was too scared to cut my hair. Because I did Big Love right after that. I started Mm -hmm. Big Love right after that. I was probably going to do that. But um, I was like, we got to come up with something else. And my mom was like, "Why why don't you do like the hair that I used to put you in? when when you were little because my mom was she was so dope she would like always she loved doing my hair when I was little Mm -hmm. so all of Deb's hair 
our our hairstyles that I have a child. The fountain. I love that. <laughs> the side pony. Yeah. <laughs> like all of it. All of those hair. The crimp. Oh my God, I was obsessed with getting my hair crimped <laughs> as a child. So all of that is Jerusha and, and my mom. Hell yeah. And me not cutting my hair. And I'm so glad I didn't cut my hair because... You know, I don't want to take credit or anything, but when I see girls walking around with side ponytails now, I'm like, you're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. Yours looks better than mine because mine was tight and gave me a headache. But yeah, looked a little painful, but definitely was the statement of all statements. Yeah. Yeah, I love I love Deb's commitment to just what she sees as fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) I'm just like, I love anybody who just owns what they want to wear and how they want to look. I fucking love it. Even if I'm like, I would literally never wear that. Mm -hmm. When somebody owns themselves in that way, it's so admirable. I just love Deb. When I was watching last night, I think for the first time in a, in a while, or I guess ever with Deb, I was like, because I think I was paying special attention to her because I'm talking to you today. I was like, wow, she's like the artisan woman of this town. <laughs> like, right? Like, she's so committed. She's not fucking around at all. There's not a drop of irony. Like, she's right? trying to save money for college and she's doing glamour shots. Like, that is her. That is her. <laughs> She's fucking, she's an entrepreneur. She is. (laughs) She's like very, I always saw her as being so, um, she had a lot of qualities that I admired, especially because I was, how old did I say I was when I shot it? Like 16 or 17? Mm -hmm. 17. Mm -hmm. So at 17, I mean, all of us at 17 think that we have it figured out and we definitely do not. But like that weird in between teenage dumb where you're, you're not really a teeny bobber anymore, Mm -hmm. but you're also not 21. You're not 20. You're not out of your, your teen years at all. And I just really admired her confidence Mm -hmm. and the fact that she doesn't take anybody's shit either. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, not to take a perfectly hilarious movie and, you know, (laughs) dissect it into the serious, but to Mm -hmm. be serious when rumors were flying around about her, she confronted it head on. Yeah. And I loved that. I was like, get it. I love that confidence. And I love that clear communication. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, you're a bad friend. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a very sweet way of saying you hurt my feelings. Fuck you. Yeah. Yes. But like not talking shit about him. Yep. Went right to the source. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, Said, that's exactly what we do on this show is take things that we do. <laughs> Take things that other people might not take seriously, and then we make it extremely right. serious. Yeah, but I love that you guys are sisters, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm all, obviously I'm all for the the sibling. You guys have a very polite relationship, at least right now. <laughs> Honestly, well, now we're on our we're, best behavior. <laughs> we're on our best behavior. We're also pretty nice to each other in general. How how many years apart? Sorry to sideline and ask you questions, but how many years apart are you? We're two years apart, but can you guess who's older? I'm trying to go off like the energy because people get it wrong with my brother and I all the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is going to be a struggle. I I feel like it is getting harder. It's getting harder. People don't really know anymore. Are you older? No. No. You're the baby? Yeah. Yeah. Baby. But the okay. the bonus thing is that Audrey's like five eight or five nine, and I'm five five. So we also have that being mixed in, right? See, yeah. my brother is like six two, and I'm and I'm five five. Yeah, that yeah. Wait, so are you? 
Are you older or younger? I'm the baby too. Okay, got it. Me and Andre. <laughs> Wait, do you have other siblings? Nope. I didn't even ask. No, so just it's just you two. Us. Yeah, see, and there's five years in between my brother and I. Why I say you guys are so polite to each other is like, <laughs> my brother and I were so just like banshees <laughs> as children. And I was always probably pretty annoying. He says, we talked about it on our podcast <laughs> where I was like, I just felt like you were always so annoyed with me. And he's like, I was never annoyed, but like you were, I'm very protective of you and you're not allowed to hang out with me and my friends. So that was us where it's like, yeah. can I come play? And they're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. You're like eight. We're doing big boy shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. We definitely yeah. had that phase as well. Yeah. There it was, was a moment. It was narrow though. Yeah, it was pretty narrow. You were nice about letting me hang out with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. See, now he has to let me hang out with his mm-hmm. friends because we have all the same friends. That's and his I, friends like me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. We have a similar similar situation. Slash, like, the same interests. Like, in high school, it became, like, we were always in the same place doing the same shit anyway. So it was like, right. we may as well. And now here yeah, we are. Yeah, let's just join forces. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like as I've gotten older too, like my brother and I are definitely interested in the same things. Mm-hmm. And now the age gap isn't that weird. And I get it now because mm-hmm. I'm in my 30s. But it's like when you're a child and your older brother is just like the person on the planet. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, can I, can I hang out with you? Like just trying <laughs> yes. to do everything that he did. <laughs> And just, you know, just be like, no. Five years is just long enough where, like, you're not in the same phase of life at the same time. Yeah. And I didn't understand that until I was older. But I was like, holy shit, that is a really big difference. Yeah. Because then I've been the person that, like, if a friend's sibling is like, can I come? Be like, absolutely not. You're a minor. (laughs) 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 So I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I have another side question about your brother. Also, we have questions at the end about the podcast. So we will get back to the podcast. Keep going. Yeah. So did he do acting? And if not, how did you find yourself like deep in the child actor world so fast? Are your parents so people? No. Okay. Mm -mm. It's very weird. My brother is not an actor. He's a musician. Okay. And he has like 11 jobs. It's because he does everything. He's (laughs) Mm -hmm. a sound engineer tour manager. Oh, wow. Like he's on tour right now. That's why I was got it. so thankful that you sent me the fucking <laughs> microphone. Cause I don't know how to do shit. Like I'm in the studio <laughs> and I can't work anything. In here. I'm so glad um, you got it. Now, whenever you have to do a random interview, it's so easy, right? Now. Yes. Thank yeah, you. You're welcome. <laughs> you. Um, and it was user-friendly too. So uh-huh. I was like, yeah, it's the dream. Um, so he was never into acting. He was very much so into sports, which I was always kind of jealous of because I was kind of a, you know, I was solo a lot. Like I was doing what I loved because I just can't remember a time where I didn't want to be an actor. Mm -hmm. Like my mom always tells the story that I was like 10 months. I was watching, I would demand to watch Wizard of Oz every day at the same time. Like (laughs) whiz was, whiz was. (laughs) And... I told her, I talked really early Mm -hmm. and didn't walk until I was like two, Mm -hmm. but um, I told her, I want to do that. She's like, you want to do what? And I was like, that. And I was pointing to Judy Garland Mm -hmm. and 
nobody in my family is in the show business. So Mm. she was like, okay. Um, (laughs) So she found like this singing and dancing group. Mm -hmm. And she's like, I'm going to put her in this because at the end of like a semester, they do a huge show. There's like 300, 400 people there. It'll scare the shit out of her and she'll (laughs) never want to do it again. And so I did that. And then she came up to me after the show and I was like, can I do it again? And she was like, well, okay. Shit. So, um, <laughs> I mean, obviously like the industry now doesn't work the same that it did then. Mm-hmm. In some ways that's very good. In some ways it's a bummer, yeah. you know, cause it's all pre social media and mm-hmm. like, yeah, whatever. We don't need to go into that. But yeah. like at the time it was just, oh, I started going out for commercials and I went out for, I auditioned every day for like two years and didn't get anything. And then I think I was about, it was right when I turned two or something like that, maybe a little bit after that I booked my first commercial. And then I just kept working and doing commercials. And then I was like, I'm ready to try something else. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm past TJ Maxx now. (laughs) So um, (laughs) I literally found my TJ Maxx commercial the other day. (gasps) Oh Um, my God, you should send it to us. So funny. If I saved it on my computer, I'm going to email it to you. Please do. Let's see. (laughs) So funny. Oh, and you know what else is weird? Sorry, I'm all over the place. (laughs) I got a DM on Instagram the other day from this woman, and I should have fucking saved it. Um, She was like, I played your mom in a Peter Pan peanut butter commercial. And I totally remember this woman. And she was like, I can't believe I found you on here. And I'm just remembering now that I didn't respond, that I forgot to respond. Wow. But isn't, that's the shit on social media that's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's like, I was maybe four. Yeah. Damn. She was in the DMs. And she slid into those DMs, baby. Um, Did she like ask anything or was she just like, hey? No. She's just like, hey, I played your mom. And I opened it with, uh, with Kevin, my brother. And he's like, please respond. Hi, mom. Why did you leave me? <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not ready. And I don't know this lady's, I, I don't know this lady's uh, sense of humor. Right, Kevin right. and I have a darker sense of humor. Uh-huh. And like, sometimes it's a miss. The only thing that I really remember about my journey is like, I would get into something like commercials and I do it until I was like, okay, I can do this in my sleep now. So Mm -hmm. I want to do the next thing. Like I want to challenge myself. Mm -hmm. This is insane. I did a TV show that was on TGIF. Please tell me you guys remember TGIF or were you, you're too young. You're too young to remember TGIF. Is it a... (laughs) What is it? Called out. Whatever. No, tell No, what is it though? Okay, have you ever heard of like Family Matters? Yes. Or like yes, yes. TGIF was a lineup. Of okay, shows, that's actually what I like, thought it was, but I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, so it was like dinosaurs, <laughs> Family Matters, step by step. Yeah. The good shit. So I was <laughs> I was on a, a show when I was six. That's when I went into TV. Mm-hmm. And that show, this is insane. <laughs> My uncle was played by Jerry O'Connell. His best friend was played by Jay Moore. My aunt, I think she played my aunt. Uh, everybody's young on the show. They were like teenagers. Hillary Swank. Her boyfriend was Jared Leto. Whoa. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So um, I did that. And then, and then I auditioned for movies. And then when I got into movies, I just did that for a long time. Wow. And now, like, the landscape is so different. Mm-hmm. 
because before, like when I was coming up, you had to choose. It's like, oh, are you going to be a movie actress or are you going to be a TV actress? And everybody always looked down their nose at TV actors. And I'm like, wow. Okay. But another whoopee for the win. Mm -hmm. She had a conversation very early on with me because I was already like, I'm going to be a movie actress. And she, she pulled me aside one day and she was like, listen, this is just some advice for you. Do whatever you're drawn to. Doesn't matter Mm -hmm. if it's theater, if it's TV, just movies, just have fun and do what you're drawn to. Do what you want to do. And I was like, okay, you know, (laughs) eight-year-old me, you know, lo and behold, like that's how I worked with her again on Alice in Wonderland because it's like, who gives a shit that it's not going to be in theaters? It's so cool. Yeah. So now is like the best projects. Some of the best pieces of material are streaming. I mean, mm-hmm. the artists that they're giving opportunities to now, it's just like, it's amazing. It's a breath of fresh air. And I'm so happy that there's not that like really asinine delineation between the, I mean, the two formats. It's like. Now it's very much like about the limited series. It's like, I feel like yeah. usually the best TV stuff, you know, sometimes there's like network shows that are really good, but like, yeah, I feel like everybody wants a really juicy limited series. <laughs> Yeah, like a really juicy limited series, like a sick Netflix show, mm-hmm. like yeah. Ozark. Yeah. Are you kidding? Like <laughs> the acting on that is amazing. Like they just have incredible actors and they have incredible writers. I feel like because the door has opened a lot more, you know, back in the 90s. It wasn't like that. It's like, you know how you were saying like, what came first, the chicken or the egg? It was like, people were put into kind of impossible situations where it's like, I'm an incredible writer, but people aren't going to see my work until I write something that's made. Yeah. But I can't write something that's made until I'm established. It's like, Mm -hmm. how the fuck do you, how do you get in? It was very, a very guarded, protected space, but like now they're giving opportunities to artists from all different walks of life, all different ages. Like you don't have to be anything but what you are you know, and mm-hmm. bringing cool stuff to the table. So I, I like that. I think it's cool. Me too. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to, like, I'm sort of trying to do that now. And so is Hannah. And I would say the, ad, the, the sword, you know, the double-edged sword of that is oversaturation. It's like when everybody feels like yeah. they can do something or like everybody's <laughs> posting on the internet, everybody's trying to, sometimes it feels like a rat race in that way of like, yeah. Um, but obviously better than the alternative. I so appreciate, cause I was stalking your guys' Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that you guys are filmmakers. It's amazing. I, I totally understand what you're saying about the fact that like, that oversaturation feeling here's the bad part about the internet and like technological advances before to become a master at something you had to put in the time and the effort you had to educate you had to practice you had to face judgment you had to put in time and effort to get better or to get feedback or whatever and it's like now with all the apps and everything It's like, okay, I have GarageBand. That doesn't mean that I'm a fucking guitarist. That doesn't mean that I'm a professional musician. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of people, because everything is so easy to make, Mm -hmm. they can just assign, uh, and I don't mean to be disrespectful. Like I'm not trying to shit on anybody. I'm just, (laughs) as a meditation on society today, is like, just because you can make a movie with iMovie doesn't mean that you're a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't mean that, 
that's what you're, that's what you're doing. And like with social media, just with access to everything, like I appreciate the fact that people are putting out so much content, but I feel like because of the oversaturation, people don't have taste. Yeah. That's what it feels like Mm -hmm. where it's like, Oh, as long as I'm seeing something from this person, they're relevant to me. And I'm like, relevancy is far different than artistry or like having an opinion or having a specific taste on films that you like or whatever. And I'm not being hoity-toity. I'm not a cinephile. I'm not like, you need to watch (laughs) Citizen Kane. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that, you know, you got to put in the work to earn the honor of what it is that you want to be, you know? So Mm -hmm. I hope that you're never deterred by how much is put put out because 95% of it is garbage. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. And it's like, as long as you guys are continuing to grow your own taste and figure out what you like and you're ballsy enough to like put yourselves out there, it doesn't really matter what anybody else is doing. Like you're putting in the hours. It's so fucking cool. I get really intimidated because I write. Mm-hmm. And so like when I'm writing something new, I'm like, why does this matter? You know what I mean? And yeah, 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 totally feel that. <laughs> yeah. And it matters because it's living inside me. Right. Mm-hmm. So if it's in my mind and it's in my heart and I want to claim to, I want to claim the title of like, I'm a writer mm-hmm. then I need to write. It doesn't really fucking matter what anybody else is doing. Yeah. As, yeah. as much as everybody tries to convince you that that's not true. I have a very love-hate relationship with social media because I'm like, I, nobody on this planet, human beings are not supposed to be privy to this much information all the time. Yeah. And also, I don't want to hear everybody's opinion about everything all the time. Yep. And we shouldn't. (laughs) No. No, it's unhealthy. It's completely unhealthy. Yeah. Yeah. No humans in history have ever heard this many opinions or seen this many faces in one day, you know, through a Yeah. 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 I don't think that, I mean, obviously social media is is still in an experimental phase mm-hmm. at, when you think about it. So we don't even know, like we, it's conjecture what it's doing to us psychologically, yeah. but we don't know for sure. And, uh, you know, what we do know is that it's not, it's not helpful for people's true happiness or even creativity. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys feel like this, but sometimes when I'm in a space where I'm wanting to do something creative because of all everything being out all the time, I just get burnt out on even wanting to be creative. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it's like, I'm just, compa- you know, I, I, by accident, I'm comparing. Yeah. Like you start comparing despair. Yeah. That mm-hmm. whole cyclical fuckery that sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But keep putting yourself out there. I love that you guys are filmmakers. I love it. <laughs> Hannah's on a break, a social media break right now. Right? I know. I was about to say, I'm, I've never lasted this long and I'm not, I started last Sunday and now it's the end of Monday. So it's been eight days off the hard shit, seriously off the hard shit. So wow, yeah, that's really good. How do you feel? (sighs) Definitely like it more in control of my mood. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, cause the thing that really pushed me over the edge is that like exactly what you just said, like I just be living my life and then I would like see one thing. And Audrey and I yeah. both went to NYU and people around our age are starting to like come up slightly and you're like, oh, oh my God, yeah. I'm dying. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dying. And I was like, right. I can't, like, I can't let this keep happening. So um, I was like, I'm just going to see if I can survive. And it hasn't even been that hard. 
weirdly. It's interesting because you would think that it would because it becomes such a huge part of your day. But like, I am totally right there with you Mm -hmm. where I'm a very sensitive lady. And um, yeah, and it's like too much because left to my own devices, like if I'm, if I don't have the distraction or the stimulation from social media or whatever, Mm -hmm. I don't think like that naturally. Mm -hmm. I don't look at other people my age and be like, well, they're doing this. Like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like, I don't think like that because it doesn't make sense for me Mm -hmm. because I, I do have an understanding at the age that I am that like everybody's path is different. And Mm -hmm. what's meant for me will never miss me. Like it's been proven time and time again. So like, I, I genuinely don't have anything to to worry about but I get on social media and it's just like yeah I, I don't even know how to articulate some of the complicated emotions that I feel mm-hmm. but I I'm sure that you experience them as well where mm-hmm. you're like why am I thinking like this yeah what the fuck happened yeah and it's because it's also so addictive yeah. I watched this program that was like a study of um drug addicts and that they put them in the MRI machine they're hooked up to the electrodes and they show them a picture of their drug of choice for less than like half a second where you couldn't even see it if you were just watching it. Mm-hmm. Right. And it fired up those parts of the brain that yeah. like the cravings or whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. this is what social media is. It's just a bunch of subliminal messages that we don't even really know what we're ingesting. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, by 4 PM, you're like, why am I exhausted? And <laughs> yeah. why do I feel like I'm gross? And yeah why do I want to cut my hair and why do I, you know, (laughs) like, it's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Sorry. That was a tangent. No, (laughs) no, it's relevant though. It's really relevant. And also everything you said about like putting in the time to actually become the thing that you believe that you are or want to be. It's like that perspective is just so refreshing to hear because I feel like what you see is just like fake it till you make it times like 5,000, but it's like, that's like impossible to chase. Well, it's interesting because the fake it till you make it movement. Okay. There's, there's truth in it. Right. But I've gotten to a point now where, um, I really try not to take on anything a hundred percent. Like there's nuggets of truth in, in everything, Mm -hmm. but like the fake it till you make it thing is like, that's cool. If you're feeling nervous about a job interview and you're putting yourself out there and you're, you know, working through your fear and you're working through all of those things and like, but the whole, you know, bankrupt yourself so that you look like you're already established. Yeah. Not into that. And that's probably not good for any part of Mm. your life. You know, like I think people nowadays are in such a rush too. It's like, Oh, especially with women, man, like, oh, well, by the time you're 30, are you married? Do you have your established career? Are you following your passion? Are you being a good friend? Are you a good daughter? Are you a good sister? Or, you know, like Mm -hmm. all of the shit. And I don't subscribe to that Mm -hmm. because it doesn't make sense. But it's like your life is supposed to be lived. It's not supposed to be survived. Like there is no place for you to get to by any certain time. Mm -hmm. So when I say like dedicate your time to the thing that you love, till you become the thing that you want to be like mm-hmm. there's something beautiful and romantic about that and it's very loving towards yourself is like you are worth the time you mm-hmm. don't there's no such thing as an overnight success even the people that you're like where the fuck did this person come from <laughs> like yesterday they didn't exist <laughs> what they don't tell you about that story 
is that person was probably toiling for 10 years and didn't get a job. And then Mm -hmm. finally their time came and the opportunity met preparation, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's not as glamorous or as sellable as like, I woke up like this. I woke up this morning and this happened. And it's just like, okay, that's cool as a Beyonce lyric. (laughs) Yeah. But as like a life mantra, Mm -hmm. just, I don't know why lack of effort has become so popularized Mm -hmm. you know like where everybody who's in great shape says all I do is eat cheeseburgers or you know oh I never even had to audition Mm -hmm. or just all of these stories that you're like I want to support artists in a real way which is you know you are going to come up against a lot of challenges and a lot of it's a lot of rejection Mm -hmm. like and I'm still I mean I've been doing this all of my life And I'm still not immune to it. But like the whole point of putting yourself out there is to experience it all. And if you get hardened to the world and you're like, well, I don't ever want to be disappointed. So I'm not going to try or, you know, I'm not going to get my hopes up. Mm -hmm. Is like, then what's the, how are you supposed to experience the good times then? Like you don't get to choose. If you're Mm going to deaden yourself to the bad stuff, you're going to be dead to the good stuff too. It's like, Mm a part of putting yourself out there in any capacity is like, sometimes it's going to suck shit (laughs) and like, it's supposed to feel bad. Mm -hmm. But then when it feels good, you're like, yeah, I made it through all of those things. You know, like I think if people look over my career, sometimes it's very simplistic, like, Oh, you know, this happened. And then it just all snowballed from there. It's like behind the scenes. It's not like that. And it definitely didn't feel that way. Mm -hmm. And you know, nobody tells you that being a grown-up actor is, after being a child actor, is really hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like everybody has their challenges, but it's supposed to be a part of the journey. You're not just supposed to pop off and like yeah, <laughs> get famous and have everything passed to you. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you know, there's pitfalls to that, too. Yeah, I always try to remind myself of that too. Like you sometimes, you know, even like the most famous people in the world, they usually kind of feel like they're in prison. <laughs> yeah, so it's true. Know, like, like I think of like, I think Gaga said that. Lady Gaga was like, yeah. you know, fame is a prison. Like I can't live how I would like to. And it's like, I'm grateful for everything that I've been able to do. But at the same time, I can't really live as a full human the way other people do. Right. And it's not even like, you know, I think that a lot of people hear things like that and they're like, oh, boohoo. I would rather cry in my Lamborghini than, (laughs) you know, whatever that saying is. Right. But the real gist of it is everything has a price. Like what is too expensive for you? For me, like I have very definitive boundaries with things and not just in my career, but in my life, like, what am I willing to put time and energy into? And what am I not? And if it's going to cost me my peace of mind, or, you know, my family or something like that, Mm -hmm. then it's too expensive. Yeah. But, you know, I don't know. I think that filmmaking is such a beautiful art. And it's like, whenever I get into those weird social media moments where I'm like, well, what is this person doing? What the hell? I just continuously come back to the space where I think about how many times a film has just like turned my life around or kept me going or, you know, a plethora of different, very powerful emotions that I've experienced from films. And 
I'm just like, no matter what anybody else thinks about what I'm doing or how it appears on the outside, like I feel so lucky to be a part of something that's meant so much to me. Mm -hmm. And like, my only hope is that whatever I create, maybe that could happen for somebody watching me, you know, feeling less alone, having a laugh when all they've been doing is crying, like very simple things. Mm -hmm. That's why I think filmmaking and music and painting and all of the arts are just it's so funny what they they cut arts from school but mm-hmm. it's like when the pandemic happened what did everybody go for art mm-hmm. that's the only thing that helped people to stay remotely sane in such a horrible time period it's like yeah. art is important I'm so happy you've been off social media that's great maybe Thank I'll you. do that it's been a good time <laughs> it doesn't make all your problems go away but it definitely just frees up time to just live your life yeah you know And free up space in your mind, I'm sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. I found it really interesting that you said you had control over your mood. Yeah, that's a big part of it. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like less highs and lows throughout the day. Like a little bit more just like sturdy (laughs) throughout the day. Yeah, like you're you're on a trolley, you're not on a roller coaster. Yes, yeah. 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 Like something can't just come into your, come in front of your eyeballs and like ruin your day. (laughs) Exactly. Fuck everything up. Exactly. That's the whole thing. Like, because there's been a, the only thing I've done is I've like opened it to make sure that I'm not missing any like DMs, but I've literally cover, I cover the screen (laughs) and just see if I have a message (laughs) because like I haven't looked in so long and you know how the algorithm is like going to show you the thing they've been cooking up for you. Look at what you missed. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, shit, I have nine days of having ignored this. It's going to be like, I don't even know what it's going (laughs) to show me when I open this shit up. So yeah, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good though. How long are you going for? Are you like doing a, a planned cleanse or well, I was gonna just do a week but then I was like I didn't really miss it so I might yeah. just do I might just go week by week there's a part of me that's like maybe I could do like on Sunday or something I look at shit for like an hour and then keep it moving yeah maybe yeah I'm also lucky because Audrey runs all the social media for sleepover and so I'll write like I write the <laughs> captions and like the copy yeah. and she does the graphics so suffer. you're gonna Let suffer yeah. yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is the, uh, so, so <laughs> my brother is you and I am Audrey. Got it. <laughs> my Got brother is just dynamic. like, peace. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. And I do all of the episode companions and whatever. <laughs> I did listen, I listened to a few episodes of your podcast and yeah, I picked, I picked that up. I picked up that vibe. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, he edits it and you know, he he did the sound design and he edits the episode mm-hmm. and that I can't do that. I can't, I cannot do that. So yeah. I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll write the, I'll do the social media. Mm-hmm. But like, it's so funny because doing the social media for the podcast makes me happy. Doing my own social media doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I, t- I feel the exact same way. Right? Don't yes. you, do you ever get like that feeling you're, when you're on your own Instagram, there's this immense pressure that granted, like I've been told several times, nobody gives a shit, but for some reason I'm still like, I overthink it. Same. And I'm like, do I put a caption? Do I take the likes off? Do I, do I even like <laughs> yeah. this picture? Cause it's like, I don't want to put anything out there just to put it out there. Mm-hmm. Cause I've done that. And then I feel like shit and I'm like, well, now I have to leave it. Cause if I delete it, it's just the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But on the podcast, it's like 
my reason to post is the episode period. Right. I don't have to argue with it. It's like, <laughs> here's a collection of photos from the, from the podcast episode mm-hmm. done. Yeah. Here's the caption, whatever I want to talk about done. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. Moving on. It's like, it has nothing to do with your personal identity. Like it's not about the perception of yourself. So it's just way easier. I mean, I I go back and forth on whether I'm going to quit social media or not all the time. Yeah. I'm like, do I really need to be doing this? (laughs) And then sometimes I'm like, this is so fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just, I just, you know. I mean, yeah. And then it's like, well, this conversation wouldn't be happening without social media. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's where it gets tricky is it's like you get connected with really amazing people. And then you also get connected with not so great people that make you it. The issue that I have with it is like, I am so sensitive that it hurts me and I refuse to get tougher skin. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm just not. Yeah. That's not who I am. And I'm not going to change who I am to be on an app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. That doesn't make any sense. So sometimes when I experience nastiness on social media, I'm just like, it It kind of for that moment, or let's be honest, for the day, mm-hmm. it shifts my viewpoint on humanity. And that's what sucks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to think about people that way. Yeah. And I am thinking, I'm just like, everybody is mean. Everybody sucks. <laughs> You're all mean. Yeah. <laughs> why do you, why do you treat each other this way like that's the big thing it's like why do people do this to each other mm-hmm. I mean let, why do you do it to me sure but I'm like I'm not the only person mm-hmm. if this person is sending this garbage to me they're definitely sending it to other people definitely. like why are people so mean to each other yeah and I don't even mean from like dms that I get it's some content that I see where I'm like what are you doing <laughs> <laughs> why yeah, and I don't mean it in a judgmental way. I'm just like <laughs> observing and thinking like that is not nice. My gosh, do we even go back to Napoleon Dynamite? <laughs> we can go back. Go back. Go back to Nappy D. So what's the line that people quote to you the most? Like to your face? <laughs> to my face. Yeah. There's two of them. One, I'm not in the scene. Uh, so it's always funny to me. But they're like, Tina, eat the food. And I'm not even, I'm not even sure that they know that my name is Tina in real life. Like I would love to think that that's the connection, but just randomly I'll I'll be out somewhere and I'll hear that. Tina, eat the food. And I don't even think that they're necessarily connecting like, oh, the, the actress's name is Tina because they just call me Deb. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's really funny. But the one that I probably get the most is... Are you drinking 2%? Is it 2% or 1%? Are you drinking 1%? Um, and I, I've had men send me milk at restaurants before. <laughs> oh, my wow. God. Yeah, so that's the one. Wow. That's the one. It is a great Yeah, one. or your mom goes to college. I get that, <laughs> too. So it's none of the things you said. It's the things that were said uh-uh. at, to, said you. to you. To me. Yeah, to me, 100%. My, the last time somebody uh, like really made me laugh though, I was at Disneyland mm-hmm. and I was with my friend and his little babies and we were walking in a line. We were in one of the lines that, you know, how it goes back and forth or whatever. Mm-hmm. And as I was going in the line, his part of the line was walking like this uh-huh. and he just said it so quietly it was funny. He was like, I like your sleeve. <laughs> 
And then I just like, as we're walking, this all happened as we were in motion. I was like, thanks. I made it myself. And then it was just like a, it was just like a private moment that was so fucking funny that like my group laughed and then his group laughed. Yeah. I love things like that where like you can play back. Yeah. You know? yeah. It's fun. I would like to think that I would do the same thing if I saw you in public, but I probably wouldn't. I'd probably be too scared. I mean, I I wouldn't. <laughs> I I totally wouldn't. Like, yeah. When I see people that I love in movies, I literally never go up to them mm-hmm. ever. Me either. It's too scary. I'm too shy. Yeah. I'm like, uh, I just will make a mental note. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. oh, I saw them. I saw mm-hmm. them in the. In the- wild yeah you know but I I'm too scared to like go up to somebody and and quote a movie that I love them from Mm -hmm. yeah that's why I appreciate when people do it to me I mean it's an honor and it's it's bold and it's bold Um, yeah especially when you're screaming it in the street mm -hmm. yeah Bold. (laughs) bold so when did you see Napoleon for the first time was it at Sundance or was it before Sundance and were you you were at Sundance right (laughs) yeah Sundance was crazy though because we were only supposed to be there for like three days and we stayed for nine whoa because it blew up at Sundance and like did they keep like adding screenings yeah and every screening that we had was sold out like the cast didn't even sit we stood in the movie theater because all the seats were sold out wow so god that was awesome that Sundance (laughs) experience was so awesome it was just like you couldn't even sleep. The energy was just so, we're like, holy shit, people love this. Yeah, I think the first time I saw it was at Sundance, I believe. One of the first screenings there, because I remember crying when I watched it. What made me cry was, I forget what song plays at the very end of the yes. movie. <laughs> the song. Like when Napoleon dances and like the whole ending of that movie I was just like this is just beautiful and it was Mm -hmm. just I mean we were all really emotional just for the record other people cried too (laughs) (laughs) but we were really I mean because we'd not seen any of the dailies or anything Mm -hmm. and it makes such a huge difference when the music is there yeah yes like when I saw that my name in the opening credits was on a peanut butter and jelly sandwich I was like and Jack White was singing the song. I was like, what is happening? This is so cool. Yeah. Wow. This is amazing. Yeah. One of the best, if not actually, because it's funny because he kind of had a similar style in Nacho Libre as well. Like in the mm-hmm. beginning, the opening yeah. credits, it's, it's very similar stylistically. Yeah. But it's like, I would love to do an, a credits, a, an homage to that sort of credit situation. Like yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. And it really like sets you up for I feel like you're, you're so right. People don't do credit sequences really anymore. Mm-hmm. Um like in the 90s it was a big thing. Like First Wives Club had the mm-hmm. Liechtenstein inspired opening and everything. I dig it. Mm-hmm. Me too. It used to take like 5 minutes or longer just to like <laughs> get into the movie with the credit yeah. sequence. But it really builds the anticipation and like the style of the thing. And yeah, it sets a tone. And also it's an opportunity to use like really great music. Yeah. Which obviously Jared just had the best music in that movie. A lot of music in that movie that seems like it would be extremely expensive. 
Like, right. And I was like, how? Like, did they license this after the fact? Like, I'm actually not sure. Yeah. I was just wondering. Cause there's like, because that was in the movie. I know the opening of the movie, like the mm -hmm. opening credits, I think was after Fox bought it. Right. Yes. But Jamiroquai was in it. That, yeah. The entire time. Like, that's really interesting. I know that Jared said there was one other song because they had John dance to two different songs, but Mm -hmm. like Jamiroquai was the shit. Yeah. Like, everybody was (laughs) like, this is it. This is the song. But they weren't sure if they could get it or not. But I know that it was in that first Mm -hmm. cut, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Like a Jack White song and. And also, when uh, when the, when the when Summer Wheatley does the talent show, it's like a Backstreet Boys oh, yeah. song or something. I'm like, how? Like, how did oh they pull this off? I watched this I last about night, that. so it's very fresh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> I hadn't seen Napoleon in forever, and then we did like a little reunion tour mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Me and the boys did, mm-hmm. and I watched it for the first time. I watched it backwards because we were behind the screen. Uh-huh. But I was like, damn, it still holds up. Oh, yeah. I love it. Definitely. The music is really great. I forgot that Haley did the the whole dance thing. In yeah. That cute little leotard. <laughs> I know. It was so good. With the shoulder pads. <laughs> yeah. So dope. Yeah. And it's like the Happy Hands Club. I'm like, why? I thought they did sign language. Why are they doing a dance now? I guess they do both. I mean... They're multi-talented <laughs> women. Multi-talented, multi-hyphenate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Speaking speaking of the tour reunion thing, Hannah and I yeah. actually went to a Napoleon screening at this great theater in Akron, Ohio that mm-hmm. we love. And we went with our aunt and uncle, and this uncle is the same person <laughs> who bought Vote for Pedro shirts in bulk for our entire family. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And That's so, amazing. Oh, yes. Yes. So yeah. we all had uh, we all had those shirts. And then it was funny because we met up with them and it was like my aunt and uncle and me and Audrey just like drinking together and then going <laughs> to the Dynamite screening. Fabulous. It was amazing. It was a good time. That sounds like such a good time. It was really funny. And we have yeah. their kids are our age and we're super close with them, but they both weren't in town. So it was just us and their parents just hanging out. Actually, <laughs> I bet they'll That's hear great. this. So um, Uncle Paul and Aunt Sarah, if you're hearing this shout out to you we're talking about excellent you. choice <laughs> buying bulk vote for pedro yes shirts. that's so fun it was really good and i'm so mad i don't know where mine is now because i think it would actually fit me now like it was a huge shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't i have one of the original vote for pedro shirts Ooh. like the ones that jared and them made when we were doing sundance and all that kind of stuff nice. i have it somewhere you have a lot of high-value items. Yeah, I have the LA Gears, too. Wow. I have my dress from the final scene where we're playing handball. Nice. Ooh, Is that what it's good. called? Handball? Uh, tether? Tether ball? Thank you. Tether ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. If you couldn't tell, I'd never played it before. <laughs> yeah. Listen, it's not easy, especially when you're playing with someone who's tall. You yeah. Yeah. Like, not gonna win. So. That's why I just ducked. That yeah. was not acting. That was just me and John, or yes. John playing tetherball and me trying not to ruin my money maker. Yeah, that was it. Right. Wait, that also reminds me. I know. Just when I was watching it last night, the fact that that scene is him saying, "I caught you a delicious bass." You say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah. he's like, "Want to play?" And you're like, 
And then that's just the end. <laughs> it's so sweet. Yeah. But also, you know, again, <laughs> points to Deb for, you know, not responding if she doesn't want to. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, I don't know what you want me to do with that. Yeah, I feel like very pressured as a female. If somebody is saying something to me, it's like, do I always have to have a response? Yeah. Especially because when you become an adult lady, then people are like, why are you being a bitch mm-hmm. if you like don't respond to something? <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, some things don't need responses. <laughs> we can we can learn a lot from death. Yeah, we it's can. really, really true. I mean, what a journey we've been on together today. <laughs> it's been so lovely. Can I just say like how full my heart feels right now? What a beautiful conversation. Oh my God. You two are delightful. Thank you. And thank you for like doing such great research and asking such brilliant questions. I, and I can really feel that you love movies and I love movies too. So it feels good to have a chat like this. So thank you so much. Oh my God. You literally turned my day around. Can I just tell you today has been a day. So this has been amazing. Good. And (laughs) I'm going to, I'm going to keep thinking about what we were talking about with like putting in the hours in what you love and making that a priority. Like, yeah, yes. Duh. Fuck what other people, fuck what other people say about it. Yeah. You know? Yes. Or what anybody else is doing. Yeah. Because it doesn't matter. What is the name of your podcast and where can people find it? (laughs) (laughs) The name of my podcast is, it's called No Pressure. Mm -hmm. It's with my brother, the uh, delightful, hilarious Kevin Majorino. Mm -hmm. And you can find it anywhere that you get podcasts. Just no pressure. Yeah. And you can follow the podcast on Instagram. It's at no pressure pod. And you can follow me if you want to. So it's just my name, <laughs> Tina Majorino. If you want. If you're still there. <laughs> if you want. <laughs> I might be there. I might not. It's yeah. TBD. No, but definitely follow me. Definitely follow me. <laughs> Audrey, can you believe? That it happened. (laughs) No. Honestly, it was an honor and a privilege. And I'm so glad that um, our Instagram DMing broke through the noise and that we got to meet her. Um, And we have another surprise for you. Because not only is Tina a part of our Napoleon Dynamite episode this week, but... Now I am spoiling. You know what? Maybe I won't spoil it because then all the guessers are going to know what it is. So I'm just going to give the hint that Tina is also a part of next week's film. (laughs) So you can narrow it down to her filmography. (laughs) Um, But I won't spoil it completely. But yeah, she will be returning on next week's episode as well. Yes. And there are some really good stories on next week's episode. So get ready. Um, And until then, have a great week, people. Oh, and if you want to join the Discord, don't forget, the link is in the episode description. It'll also be in the link tree on our Instagram page. Instagram page. Um, (laughs) And please join us for Gab there because it's really cute already. It is. I'm feeling the community. I really am. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Okay, everyone. See you next week. Bye. 
You can find more from us at evergreenpodcast.com slash sleepover dash cinema and keep up with our latest creative projects at twopinkpictures.com. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube at sleepover cinema and post a full video version of each episode on YouTube and Facebook every Thursday. And if you like the show, if it brings back evocative memories of childhood or tweendom or babysitting, share an episode or two with a few friends. Sleepover Cinema is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, produced, edited, and engineered by us, Hannah and Audrey Leach. Sleepover Cinema is mixed by Sean Rule Hoffman and has theme music by Josh Perlman Hall. Our executive producer is Michael D'Aloya. Leave us an iTunes review telling us what movie you'd like to see us cover next, or leave us one because you like us and it's good for the algorithm and we need it. We'll chat again soon. Bye. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.